Hello, everybody. It's Tim this week as your host. Uh, Jake is usually the main man in charge of this operation, but uh, he's going to take my job for the for the week. I don't know. Is it really like different jobs that we have? Yeah, I'm taking the proverbial back seat. Oh, okay. Yeah, All out, right, Tim. dang. Call that. Well, hey, I'm I'm in the I'm in the driver's seat this week. So, uh, <laughs> welcome to the uh, fourth installment of the Seamless Baseball Podcast. As I said before, I'm Tim. And I'm Jake Radford. That's a good intro. That's oh, a yeah. great name. <laughs> Anyway, um, we got a really good slate of topics this week. Uh, this week, a lot of um, a lot of interesting talk off the baseball field about certain things, uh, controversial issues such as um, fan safety, an, is- an incident that happened in Atlanta with uh, tragically somebody falling from, excuse me, um, the upper deck. And uh, it happened to be a fatal accident, and that's just really, really bad. And we're going to talk about what fan safety, what the MLB could do better to help people keep uh, safer in stadiums and everything. And uh, in addition to that, also some more player stuff. Matt Harvey, this is a big story that just kind of broke today as we're recording this. It's Saturday that we're recording this. And uh, yeah, there's, there's innings limits with Harvey now, this whole debacle. You know, he's... Supposed to be at 180 innings, I guess, was tentative. But now that we're getting to the uh, the end of it, things are getting a little hot and heavy. So what do you think about the whole situation? Do you – I don't know. I guess I, we'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to talk about it. I mean, I guess my big question is, you know, it seems like this 180 in- innings limit was always the plan. Or I, I don't it? think I had ever I heard I mean, that before. I mean, obviously I'm not yeah. – as in the know as you are when it comes right. to the Mets, but yeah, well, no, it we'll, kind of took me by surprise, honestly. Yeah, we'll get more into that. I'm uh, pretty passionate about that topic. I'll yeah, I probably get a little so. heated, but uh, that that should be fun. And uh, also, we got a really good top five for you this week. Um, should I say what it is? Should I say the top five? Uh, no, we'll it... get to that later. Okay, all right, we'll get to the top five later. And um, you know, all that and more on the Seamless Baseball Podcast. Stick around. And uh, today's first story, I guess we talked about a little bit in the open, um, the whole Matt Harvey saga with the innings limits. This has been a sort of issue in baseball in recent years with notable examples of Steven Strasburg back in, I think it was 2011 with the Nationals. He was shut down right before the playoffs, and he was really pitching well, and they needed him for the playoffs. They ended up bowing out in the first round, and you didn't really know. I mean, if they had him that year, they might have done better, so... I don't know, Jake. What do you think about this entire situation with, you know, now Scott Boris is getting involved and it's really just a GM versus agent with, you know, the player not really saying the right things at this moment, I don't think. Well, going back to the Strasburg example, I always thought in that particular situation, you don't know when your team is going to be in that position again. You can't assume that your team is going to be in the playoffs next year, the year following. Like, nothing is a given. Even if you've got, like, a young core like the Mets do, I, I, don't, I don't want to say it, but, like, who knows who gets injured next year. 100% agree. I mean, yep. it's just, you you can't, I, like I said, with the Strasburg situation, never agreed with it. I think the Nationals really haven't gotten a, a shot 
as much right. as they did that and it's one not, year. And it's not like by shutting him down that season, Strasburg has avoided injury. This year he's yeah. gone on the shelf a couple of times. I I think a big thing with all of this is there's as much risk with anybody on any given pitch. You know, you yeah. could you could blow your arm out, you know, first pitch of a game of your career or like the last, it doesn't matter. I mean, your arm isn't tailored to do that naturally. So it's basically a ticking time bomb. I mean, really. I mean, of course you want to, you know, condition these guys to be healthy and have good mechanics and everything. But I, in my opinion, I think that a lot of it is just assumed uh, simulation with these numbers. Like, who said 180 innings was supposed to be, like, the number? I don't know. I mean, I don't really have the science in front of me, and I'm not a scientist, and I don't know about elbows and stuff. But I don't know. I mean, what do you think... uh, do you think there's substance to it? Do you think that there's like value in all of this uh, analytics in terms of the Tommy John recoveries? Well, let's remember that pitching you know this little amount in the season, like this little amount of innings, hasn't really been a development that was. Oh, I should say, it's been a recent development. Like thirty years ago, this would never be a thing, right? Ever, and pitchers weren't getting Tommy Johns back then. I, I I don't understand why this is such a recent thing that every pitcher, pretty much, every pitcher that throws over 96 miles per hour is going to eventually get Tommy John surgery. Is it a mechanics thing? Is it a... I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, per- personally, my thought, and the only thing that I could possibly attribute all the injuries to, so many kids are playing baseball all year round, you know, throughout their youth now. It was something that maybe happened before, but you didn't have kids in these travel teams where they were playing, you know, 365 days a year from the time they were six years old. Right. It just didn't happen back then. And I think it's too much stress. Obviously, the baseball throwing motion, it's not a natural motion, never has been. But at this point, kids are doing it essentially their entire lives beforehand and it's you know it's killing their arms i mean it's it's ruining them really yeah i mean i just just going back like me and you we played our fair share of little league baseball you know like we we i mean i know in my personal experience i saw what it was like for really good young baseball players to get pushed to limits by coaches i remember there was a guy um i'm not going to name his name cuz i don't really I don't know what matters, but he was, he was a nine-year-old kid playing on like a 12-year-old all-star team. He was a fantastic player. He, and there was one, there was one game where he, it was like an extra inning game. We played nine innings. He threw 200 pitches as a nine-year-old throwing curveballs, sliders, like his arm was destroyed and he's nine. He's not even developed yet. Yeah. So, I mean, when you think about these questions that we're asking, like, we're putting so much stress and pressure on children. At, at I mean, honestly, because yeah, yeah and it's, it's yeah, the same. It, it, it's exactly insane. to your point. We've seen with football a lot of coaches. I don't know if it's like all coaches now and like Pop Warner or whatever. They have to take these classes as far as safety goes to you know ensure that their players are hitting correctly. You know whatever that means anymore. Right. Exactly. All of these different rules. Should there be a, a course per se? for youth baseball coaches so that they know like because obviously these guys aren't trained you know they have a a job during the week they're yeah insurance workers who coach baseball <laughs> right at night. exactly and 
these guys aren't trained to know that, you know, maybe having a kid pitch 200 pitches a game probably isn't going to help. So should there be a course like that for these youth baseball coaches that they have to take before they can ever, you know, make any changes to a youth baseball team? I mean, I, or is that just like going like way over the line and it's not well, really I, that important? I certainly don't think that that's overstepping anything. I think that that's a very good thought, honestly. I've never even considered that because it, it all starts from square one. You have to like, you know, how someone is raised up and conditioned from a very young age when you're playing baseball. I mean, I remember I used to pitch when I was younger. My arm hurts to this day. Yep, mine too. I remember we went out and we throwed. We played catch the other day. My arm was hurting for like a week after, and we only threw like 20 balls back to each yeah. other. Yeah, it's because, true. Like I know if I yeah. tried to play baseball again, like – I'd have to get some kind of surgery because my shoulder just pops out yep. every single time I try to throw something overhand. And so it's like – because I remember uh, – I mean uh, to bring up another Mets example, but Zach Wheeler, he recently had Tommy John. And he was talking about during his recovery that like he didn't have any pain when he threw. And he said, I have never experienced in my baseball life not having pain when I was throwing a baseball so like what does that say? Like he's drafted out of high school, he goes right into the he goes right into the grit of a professional baseball season. His entire life he's throwing incredibly high speeds. He throws a fastball in the high nineties and he throws like three different off speed pitches where he curves his arm and all these different sockets and of course he's gonna feel pain. So it must be a wonderful feeling to be like, Wow, this is better. <laughs> right. So I mean I I don't know. But so you said like, obviously, he is feeling better, so why is there this innings limit now? If you, he is feeling good for the first time in his career. Right. And then I, mean, I guess it's just a, a precautionary thing. Right. But the guy is pitching out of this world, and he's feeling good. I, I'm just not sure that I fully understand the reasoning mm-hmm. um, for, for limiting him, other than, you know, Scott Boris is like, hey, I'm not risking anything. This guy is going to get me a lot of money. It almost just seems like greed. Yeah, it it honestly does. And to get um, – since we covered the topic of kind of the reason of these Tommy Johns, to get back to kind of like the topic that's really what everyone's kind of talking about, at least among Mets fans and baseball fans today, is kind of what on earth was Matt Harvey thinking today when he said – I mean, it, it isn't rocket science to me when – like I'd understand an agent and a GM butting heads over something like this because a GM is trying to do what's best for the team and win games and they know – and that Matt Harvey in a playoff rotation is what's going to be best for that. And they're going to be conservative, but they're also going to – you know, they're going to try to push it as best as they can. And Scott Boris is going to try to protect his players so that he can get as much money as he can. Mm-hmm. But Matt Harvey – why not give the politically correct answer saying, I just want to pitch? Like, why does he have to say – and right. the uh, the quote was – Anthony DeComo, he tweeted this today. He said he couldn't believe it. He said, I'm not really sure about my postseason status basically. So it's like, what? The Mets are good for the first time in so long. And as a Mets fan seeing that, it's like, wow. You put all this stock into this guy that calls himself the Dark Knight – Posts on Twitter that, oh, as soon as he, like, messes up his elbow, he says, I'll be back opening day the next season. I'm ready to do all this. I'm a winner. I'm everything. And it just sounds so hypocritical when you do – when you say and do all these things to, like, get yourself back. And then as soon as we're in that position to start winning again, you're just going to bow out. I don't know. It seems very – 
what what is his what are his intentions is basically the question that everybody is asking is does he really care that much about this franchise i mean it's it's a it's it's a legitimate question because if he's trying to save his own butt and his own arm like i certainly understand he's looking out for the well-being of his future career i certainly get that but to do that e60 documentary and say oh i've bled and I've like worked so hard in a Mets uniform and I've, you know, sacrificed so much for this team. And he certainly has. He has been one of the best pitchers in our organization's history already. And so to just do all that and then come out today and be like, well, yeah, you know, the guys are doing a good job, but I don't know if I'll be uh, around for when it gets fun. So it's 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 tough to hear as a Mets fan. I mean, to it play is. devil's advocate for a second, which is important. <laughs> Matt Harvey, obviously he's going to care about how much he gets paid. Right now, he's only being paid by the Mets under $500,000, which you know, obviously to us is, is quite a bit. But for a ace in the Mets staff, it's not really that much. And so obviously he's hoping that he is going to get this massive contract You know, when this contract ends. It, maybe he's just like that worried that this elbow issue is could be the end of that dream for him he hasn't really made a lot of money in the majors right now maybe he's just like thinking about obviously himself and and the team is important but you have to look out for yourself too as a human being maybe i don't know it's it's kind of hard to argue because i i do agree like he needs to be pitching the postseason he's he's the guy for the mets they they need him to be in that rotation as Mm -hmm. the anchor and I, I just don't know what this does to the Mets' playoff hopes. Well, I mean, they're going to make the playoffs, but as far as their their World Series hopes, if Matt Harvey isn't pitching in the rotation. And I guess they could move him to the bullpen. It's been tossed around by I, fans on Twitter, but yeah, I don't know how much I'm a fan of that. It, it, it'd be effective, but you know, he's a starting pitcher. You need yeah. him, you know? And uh, a little breaking news, actually. On Twitter now, John Harper of the Daily News um, interviewing Terry Collins after the Mets game, obviously asking a lot of questions about the Harvey situation. Um, Collins says that um, he was asked about Harvey, and the reporter asked if Harvey's been aware of how badly Mets fans are trashing him this afternoon. Harvey says he's very well aware, and it could impact the decision he makes about the innings limits. So in response to that, is Matt Harvey just – does he just want to be liked – (laughs) <laughs> it, it just kind of seems like it. Like, you say one thing in an afternoon, and then, oh. Like, you didn't think yeah, by yeah. saying that you weren't going to upset yeah. people? So now that he said it and it upset a bunch of people, he's like, oh, I'll probably pitch now. Like, Good Lord. it just shows you the kind of guy Matt Harvey is. And, I mean, it's like... He's a great pitcher, and he's so confident, and he's so good, and that's the reason why he's good. But at the end of the day, I think Matt Harvey's main objectives... He wants to be liked, he wants to make a lot of money, and he wants to be the best. And I don't know, if he's hated by all of New York right now, he's like, oh, well, that's probably not a good thing. I'll tell you, but I just thought there's that a was few New York fans who don't hate him, and that's the Yankees. <laughs> Obviously, that's <laughs> yeah, where he's probably, kind of rumored uh, yeah, probably maybe be heading. There. I don't know. It... And it's just disappointing, because like, as a Mets fan, personally, because this is the guy that he's... He's as good as it gets. He's Dwight Gooden, like in current time. I, my dad got to watch Dwight Gooden, and my dad tells me like this is it. This is the guy that's 
he's as good as Gooden was back in the day, if not even better. And I mean, Dwight Gooden, obviously he he was Gooden. He was oh ooh, that's just <laughs> thumbs up. To I that. apologize. And and when, <laughs> well, speaking about the safety, obviously a hot topic, hot button issue for Major League Baseball has been fan safety, the fan experience. Has. But but more importantly, keeping the fans safe when they go to the ballpark. There's been numerous issues over these last few weeks um, where a guy fell from the stands in Turner Field in Atlanta, and, and he died. It just seems like it's so easy, such an easy thing to fix. Yeah. That it's amazing that they haven't been ha- – there hasn't been more precautions taken to this point to keep stuff like this from happening. Right, and I – um. Actually, when we were coming up with the, the topics for this week, we were coming up with this, and I really loved the idea to talk about this. My first initial thought was, well, the fans just need to be more responsible. But then I, I really started looking into it, started like reading some articles, doing some research, and there are a lot of things that Major League Baseball can do to kind of hinder this stuff from happening. Because when you have people dying, like going, going to baseball games, that just can't happen. And I know that one thing that um, – reading this article, it's uh, from USA Today by Bob Nightingale. He's a he's a really good beat writer. Um, he was talking about the, the Texas Rangers incident back in – I would think it was a couple of years ago where Josh Hamilton threw a ball into the outfield and a guy reached over a railing to catch it and he fell and he died. And, that, and since that happened, the Rangers, I think they spent around a little over a million dollars to increase all of the rails an extra, I think, 12 feet. And since then, they haven't had any incidents. And I think that's like a small thing that a team could do that could just help things a little bit. And I mean, like, I understand, like, still, at the end of the day, a fan does need to be very responsible. And you can't lean over railings. If they warn you and if they tell you, don't do it, you can't because you could die. Yeah, well, that's the thing. There are posted warnings pretty much everywhere as far as fan safety issues. I, I it, It's hard to, like, I'm not trying to, like, talk ill of the dead or anything right, but exactly at the same time it's a tough conversation yeah you need to you need to watch what you're doing yeah. just be smart about it you have to wonder with some of these safety precautions that teams could take will it hander other fans experiences that you know these fans were following the rules the whole time should their like views be impacted by just like the faults of others at times. And I and I think that's another thing that a lot of people are kind of talking about because I know that you were talking about prior to this that um like I'll get you I'll let you talk about it whenever we get back to you but like I um uh cuz there was something in here about if people did put up nets like um I guess because down the down the right down the third base and the first baselines it can get very dangerous for a ball hit very very hard. And it could injure someone, and it injured someone. I think what was it in Boston? Here, you talk more about this because I know you had the uh, the point prior to the show. So I'll let you uh, glorify. Yeah, that. well, it was interesting because Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, was actually talking about fan safety before the Mets Phillies game the other day, and actually during that game, a fan is hit on a. Uh, a foul ball down the line off of uh, Freddie Galvis, if that matters. <laughs> but yeah. it hit right in the head, and it was really scary. And the woman, I'm pretty sure she was stretchered off. It's like these things are happening 
at least it seems like it's been yeah, once a yeah. month pretty much. I mean the fact that it happens at all is horrible. Like yeah, it's horrible. It's so bad. I mean it shouldn't be happening. You and shouldn't course, expect to like go to a baseball game and have to worry about you know, getting, getting hit injured. in the head and maybe oh, dying, yeah. you know? It's, it's bad. It really is. And I mean I uh and I know that a lot of um like uh I don't know, I guess I could ask you what do you think that MLB could do for situations like that. Like I know that you were talking about like netting on the foul lines. I mean, what do you think about stuff like that? Do you think that should be implemented or discussed or anything like that? Yeah, that's something that's been tossed around as far as having netting go further down, at least to the end of the dugouts, to have those kind of hard hit balls that hit right above the dugout, keep fans safe from that. But if you look in the Japanese league, they actually have netting that goes all the way down to the foul poles. Or the which fair is, poles, which is incredibly interesting. To yeah, me. it is. It's really interesting. Obviously, that's going to keep fans safe from those just rocket balls that are hit down third first base line, and those are hit so hard. Like fans, I mean, you got to watch out. You got to watch the game. Be careful. But sometimes they're just hit so hard that I mean, yeah, you, you freeze. You, do. you don't know what to do. So, I mean, that's obviously just a major consideration that Major League Baseball has to take. On the flip side of things, adding more netting takes out one of the most exciting things about going to a baseball game, and that's getting baseballs. Right, like, exactly. If you have netting going all the way down the line, you know, when the first baseman comes off the field at the end of an inning, he's not going to be able to flip a ball to right. the fans. It's just going to go right into the net. It's a <laughs> it's a big catch-22 because I know a lot of people, they, they bring their gloves to the stadium. Yeah. It's, it's a big thing, you know? Like People love to you know, hope for a foul ball or something. And it's just, it's really tough to talk about because now that we have incidents of people that are getting very injured, sometimes even dying, it, I don't know, is it worth getting souvenirs? I think it's definitely something the league has to take into account. And uh, something I really should mention, when in that Braves game, when someone fell from the upper deck, I know Jace Peterson discussed this in this article with Nightingale. He said the, nobody even really stopped the game. Like, he fell, and everybody saw it, and everybody was freaking out. But, I mean, nobody really stopped to really kind of care, which it it kind of bothers me because what's really the concern here? I mean, is I, – like, I understand, like, you probably, like, wanted to, you know, shy people away from it, kind of distract the situation. But when you see someone fall from that height, you know they're probably dead, which is horrible. It, but it's like – I think at at, a, at that point it becomes more than just the game. You have to tend to people's and like you have to try to do something in order to identify that this is an issue. And I mean, you, I, I agree, but at the same time, what are the people on the field? What can they really do about it? You know, it's everything in in the stands like it's being taken care of. And obviously, I, I you probably should stop the game so that people like can focus on that. They don't have to like focus on the game if they want to you know, not miss the next few plays while they're getting this issue sorted out. Obviously, that's very serious, but at the same time, I guess they're saying, like, you know, I'm, yeah. you know the pitcher, he wants to, to get his job done and everything. It's terrible, but, like, what can you really do if you're a player in that situation? There's not really... Yeah, not really anything you can do. It's just, it's just, I couldn't imagine like being there. I must have just been super surreal. That's sad. Yeah, I but, forget. Uh, I forget which player. There was a player on second base when it happened. Um, 
Yeah, this actually, I forget which situation this was in. It was one of the situations where a fan was injured and there was a player on second base and he just said like he he saw it the whole time and he was just out there in second base just kind of like in disbelief just about, (laughs) you know, like it's so sad that stuff like this is happening all the time. And uh, it's really something that, that baseball needs to take a look at figure out exactly what needs to be done to keep fans safer when they're going to the ballpark. Certainly. Obviously, fans, they need to do their part. You can't text while no. while yeah. the game's going I mean, on. It's... You, you got to watch, see what's happening because, you know, balls can fly at you, bats can fly at you. I mean, if a bat is flying at you, there's not a whole lot you can do if, if, if you don't see it, like, right off the bat. Pardon the pun. Right, um, yeah. It you got to pay attention when you're at a baseball game and and is that not okay like that you have to pay attention i i don't know because you, you go to a football game a basketball game a, a more or less a hockey game they they've made long strides yeah, lots putting of safety up, things um, there yeah you know yeah, glass it, around the walls it's a really but you don't have point. to worry about a football flying at you and hitting you in the stands. Baseball is really the only sport other than, um, you know, like I said, to some extent hockey and I guess golf as well. Yeah, four. It's, it's, yeah. It's really the only sport in which you know, a fan can be seriously injured right. by having you know an object that's in the field of play come towards them. Yeah, it's a it's a really good point to bring up because I know cer- I know certainly now I've I don't really get to go to many baseball games anymore, but. Now, I mean, in the in the past couple of years that I have, people a lot. There's more people now that aren't paying attention to the games than before. People aren't really going to games for the game; they're going for the experience, the food, everything else. So they're on their smartphones. They're you know not looking at the field. They're not paying attention. And honestly, like it's a it's a beautiful thing. Smartphones, like having Wi-Fi at ballparks, it's really cool. But there's a certain responsibility. Like when they say beware of batted, you know, bats and balls and all that stuff. You really have to be. It's it's a it's a double thing. Like fans have to be responsible. The league has to you know, thing. And I mean, fans have to be accountable. I mean, it's it's like you said. It's you don't you never want to speak ill of any kind of death. It's like it's a horrible horrible accident, and it's terrible that it happened. But it's very very important that the fans kind of have to give their bit of the effort in this as well. Be cautious if you guys are going to baseball games, like. It's a lot of fun. So much fun. Yep. You got to be careful too um, because things like this can happen and they are happening you know, quite a bit. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see what baseball, you know, what direction it they is. go with this it is gonna be very in the future. Uh, well, let's move on to our top five list. A little yeah. bit of a, a happier tone to yeah, this. Yeah, certainly. Uh, after that. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> okay, we've been talking about stadiums for, for most of this podcast and uh, we thought we'd do a top five list on the stadiums that we have not been to. So, uh, Tim, first off, let's start with this by saying uh, which stadiums you have been to. Kind of clear those out of the list. Um, well, I mean, I haven't been to many, unfortunately. I, uh, Of course, we, me and Jake are from Florida, so I've been to Tropicana Field. Crickets. Is, is that it? No, uh, I've been to Tropicana Field. <laughs> I, I just, There's a lot I mean, of crickets in you know, Tropicana Field. I, I said that first because, you know, I, Tropicana Field, it's not my favorite ballpark. It, it has its perks, honestly. It I, if you've ever been to a nice, Sam's Club, 
Oh, You've been to Tropicana's Field. Yeah, I guess... Tropicana's Field. Oh, jeez. It's like, oh, I went to Panera's. Uh, oh, God, why did I say that? <laughs> it was an accident. Um, and, uh, okay, I've been to Turner Field. Uh, I went to the old Shea Stadium. Wonderful ballpark, honestly. I know everybody <laughs> oh. hated it. I absolutely loved it. Uh, City Field I've been to one time. Jeez, um, where else have I been? Uh, is that That's it. It? Uh, I've probably been says have i i don't know i, don't I know think if you that to. might be it I, did like you ever I go said, to marlins park no i haven't, haven't been, been to marlins park hmm. i'd like to go it it seems like a pretty nice place it's quirky they they said yeah. they're possibly moving the the walls the walls the fences in i certainly yeah, hope I they do because it's it's not borderline absurd it's utterly absurd <laughs> how it's uh, anyway but yeah i think that's about it what about you you've been you've been around a few t- a few places. Yeah, I've been to quite a few ballparks. Um, like you said, Tropicana Field down here, absolutely gorgeous ballpark. Uh, great deals. Um, they have an outback. Bulk, they have an outback, so that's awesome. <laughs> you can get a blooming onion there. You can, I, you can get a blooming onion. So hey, if you're I'm a the, fan of blooming onions and subpar baseball, hey, to I'm, be fair, they're no, they're they're pretty good. Yeah, I, uh, I'm pro trop. Oh god! No, I mean, I'm not pro trop. And anyway, <laughs> I I've been to Turner Field in Atlanta, just like you. Um, that ballpark is it's okay. You can tell it wasn't made for baseball. Yeah, let's it's just an say that. Thing. Um, I've been to the Nationals Park. Wow, you have? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I went. I've been there three times, I think. Jeez, is yeah. it nice? Pretty nice. Uh, it, it is nice. It reminds okay. me of another ballpark I've been to, which is Citizens Bank in Philadelphia. Okay, yeah, I hear that. It's uh, it's kind of like. A mall park. I don't know if you've heard that phrase before, park. where it's like wow. you can go there and just like spend the day shopping. Like it's it's it almost doesn't feel like you're at a baseball game. Not bad, not bad. Um, I went to RFK, which is oh, where the Nationals. I've been played. there too. Did I, you go? That's okay. another one I've been to. Um, yeah, the Nationals played their inaugural season there, and I went to a game there as well. Uh, obviously, Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I've been there a few times. By a few, I mean like a few hundred. Yeah. Um, Orioles magic, feel it happen. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Hashtag it's an Orioles life. It is an Orioles life. Uh, I've been to Shea Stadium. I've never been to City. Woo! Yep, gotta love Shea. Uh, my favorite ballpark I've been to, um, maybe other than the Orioles, I don't know, I think it's kind of a tie, is is PNC in Pittsburgh. Uh, Utterly only, gorgeous. Only hear good things about that place. It's so nice. Only hear good things. Yeah, you need to go. Um, I've we'll been go. to Cincinnati. Uh, the Great American Ballpark where the Reds play. And uh, that, that was a pretty nice ballpark as well. Um, Got to see Chapman pitch. Yeah, that was really cool. So that's cool. That, that was a good experience. experience. I right. want to say that's it. Yeah, I mean, really, it's like, considering we're pretty young, that's not that bad for you, yeah. especially. You've been to a, quite a few places. I mean, it's hard to go state to state and ballpark to ballpark. Certainly a bucket list thing for, I think, any big baseball fan to go to as many stadiums as you can. Exactly. So I guess that's why we're doing this that's top five. That's why we're doing the list. And, Tim, I'll let you start off with yours. Give me your number five ballpark that you want to go to. All right. Uh, number five, I definitely I de- I went a little more in the uh, tradition and the history section for this one. Uh, this is a ballpark that a lot of people say is kind of run down. But uh, Wrigley Field... It certainly has all the history in the world. It's a place that I kind of feel like you kind of have to go to at least some point in your life. At least I think I've been told that by people that have been there. Um, 
it has that like hometown feel. It's like in the middle of a neighborhood and it's just, you know, it, it seems like it's the quintessential place to go and catch a ball game, it, it, particularly during the day. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's Wrigley Field. Like what else can you really say? Like you got, I want to, I really would like to just go there to like drink in the history. Like how many amazing players have played on that field? Just like knowing that and like that kind of thing as like a hardcore baseball fanatic, like that, like you or I like are, is just, oh, I just really would like to go there. That'd be awesome. That'd be really awesome. I, I completely agree. It's kind of interesting since they've done the renovations. Yeah. I'm not entirely certain how much has really changed. Obviously, I'm sure it's a little bit more uh They got a big TV screen now. Yeah. Goodness. That's true. Which is, which is I think it's a good thing. Uh, number five is kind of a quirky one for me. It's always a ballpark that I've seen, and I'm like, man, there's a lot of strange things in this park. I love to go see. The Houston Astros Minute Maid Park. Ah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, obviously, no longer home to Towels Hill out in center field after this year. Thank goodness. Uh, yeah, um, that was always a weird one. I, as far as safety goes, that yeah, was right? a well thought out More like plan. player safety. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Minute Maid Park, like, you just look at it. It's just strange. It's like, there's a lot park. of things. They have that short porch in left in that, left like, field I could hit a home like run a, in. Like a weird like, porch. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know what you'd describe it, but it's got the train on top with the oranges. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very... It's it, cool. It's a ballpark that I'd love to go to and just say, man, I've been to Minute Maid Park because it is so quirky. It is so strange. It's also home to our Houston Astros MLB The Show franchise. Yep, MLB The Show 14. I'm that pretty was... sure. How long did we play the Astros till? It was like... It's like 2021 or something. Yeah. And we still never won a World Series. We got close. We made it to Game 7. We did. Move on to your number four. Um, my number four is a park that... We when uh of course preparing for this I'm not gonna lie I looked at some stadium rankings on you know certain uh news publications just to see how you know people stacked up because I mean I I had my own idea of what I thought some nice ballparks were just from like visually watching and you know most places typically agree of the same kind of places and uh, this one was really near the top of the list on most of them and I definitely think it seems like a great place to go to uh, AT and T Park in San Francisco. I think that just looking at it, it's spacious. It's just San Francisco, by the way, just I've never been, but it seems like such a cool city and like it's good sports town. Like the fans yeah. are awesome. They always pack that place. It's always loud and lively and hectic and it's so beautiful. Like the, oh my goodness, the cove out there and the glove and the Coke bottle on left field. It's just, it just looks like a great ballpark. Yep. It feels like a great place to take in a game. Yeah. It just, I just would love to go there. Uh, my number four is, uh, kind of an interesting one, uh, mostly because it closed in the 1950s and, uh, oh, that is okay. the Polo Grounds. Oh man. Uh, Where the Mets played their first two years. Home to the, uh, the New York Giants, notably. Um, yeah. The Polo Grounds, <laughs> like, what a weird stadium park. was so unbelievably strange it's and so center weird. field 483 feet <laughs> like it took a i don't even know if anybody can hit no i mean it, I, it, but at the same time left field 279 <laughs> so it's it, like if yeah. you're a pull hitter you're hitting it out every time oh, but certainly. if you hit ones like straight away center you've got an inside the park home run every time yeah 
I don't know what the offensive numbers were like at the polo grounds, but it must have been absurd. Yeah, it, it redefined the term baseball diamond. Like, yeah. it, it had to have been just a pure diamond, just, like, with solid edges. Just, like, they're like, <laughs> yep, just make, it a, just make it a square. Just put it out there. I mean, that just, yeah, that's a good one. I actually, I, I didn't think enough to have ballparks that uh, don't exist anymore. Yeah. I, I screwed up. I, I just thought that was an that was interesting a, one. I like that. I actually, box. looking at it, it closed in 1963, so I, I didn't yeah. give it its fair share. With the, uh, of, uh... With the New York Metropolitans making that place... Uh, that was the home of the Mets when they lost 120 games back in 62. Good times. Some good Mets history. Good times, Most but, losses ever. <laughs> but, Proud uh, of that. Polo grounds uh, would have been an awesome place to go catch in a game. Certainly. And uh, I'm pretty happy to have it on my list. All right. Uh, number three. This is just this is going to make you happy, Jake. Camden Yards. I'm not happy that it's number three. It needs oh. to be higher. Oh, come a on. A little griggy. Pretty good. Number three is considering who's two and one. But no, this this place is just first of all, I absolutely love the Orioles. Like I not just because my dad, uh my uncle, my whole family really, but particularly my uncle, because he went to uh went to law school in Georgetown, so which was pretty near Baltimore and everything. So he would catch games at the old Memorial Stadium, you know, check out the Orioles back then. They had such a fun team back in the seventies. It was just it was awesome. And so, you know, I've always had sort of an affinity for the Orioles, particularly as my American League team. And Camden Yards is just – it's just such a beautiful place, especially from what you tell me. Yeah. It, you're basically the biggest critic for the place in a good way, like a biggest advocate, I should say. Yeah. So I I just – obviously, I mean, like there's – they got the – you got Boogs out in right field. You got that warehouse. It's just, you know, there's so many cool things there that you got to check out. Utah Street, like you could live there probably, I would, I would imagine. For a park that hasn't been there very long, that was in 1992. Too, I believe. Yep. Um, like it's already developed such a history. The place with Cal is twenty one thirty one, and it's like pretty crazy. So many great events happened. Obviously, I can't have it on my list, so I'm just going to talk it up for a little <laughs> bit. Tim, trivia question. Okay, who is the one player to ever hit the warehouse, oh, dude, on the fly? You've asked me this question a, a lot, and I usually, I mean, I don't know. It's like. You never get it right. I'm seeing if this time you finally get it. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I mean, I I have no idea. It, I mean, it didn't happen during a game, obviously. No, it didn't happen during a game. I, when did I it happen? Know. Probably like a home run derby, obviously. Yeah, I mean, when home else run derby. Be, or like whole batting practice or something. Yeah, home I, run derby. It was Ken Griffey Jr. That makes sense. Yeah. The guy, sweet swing, hitting the warehouse. No yeah. big deal. Anyways. I'm going to move on to my number three, um, one you've actually already had on your list. That's Wrigley Field. Like you said, just a classic place to take in a game. I really want to go to Chicago. It's one of the major cities that I have not been to. Right. And uh, Wrigley Field is kind of just right at the heart of it. People just go there and just catch a game because they can. It's got that kind of vibe to it. It's always been one of those places that uh, kind of – Weirdly, like most of the games are day games, but it just it's beautiful because it's Wrigley Field, and I, I want to see it especially after the renovations. Looks really interesting. Looks really new, refreshed, and uh, I'd love to make a trip there myself. Yep, yeah, Wrigley Field. That's that's got to be on there, right? I mean, you just you just figure that's a given. Uh, so back to number two. Um, my number two again. 
Jake talked about this when he was uh, introducing this entire topic. The one of the parks I haven't been to, PNC Park, just the skyline in this place is just absolutely absurd. I mean, when you just see photos of I remember like Adam Rubin, he's a Mets beat writer. He posts uh he posts photos from the press box just to show views of different stadiums to see, you know, how the different views are. PNC Park is by far just one of the more beautiful views you could have. And it, it really at any seat in the park because you got that the the I think it's the Clemente Bridge, that yellow yep. bridge is just absolutely beautiful. You got the you got the river out there that Pedro Alvarez hits a ball into every so often, and uh, <laughs> every, every couple months, every couple months, yeah, they they decide they don't want him. They're like, oh look, he can hit a ball into like a river every now and then. But you know, El Toro, yeah. Uh, but no, that's that's a no brainer. That place looks absolutely stunning. We definitely we should go there. That would be fun. PNC is is gorgeous. Like I said, one of probably my favorite stadium I've ever been to. Fun fact: delicious pretzels. Wow, really? Like, it wasn't something that I went there and expected. Like, man, they probably have really good pretzels. It's Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> yeah. But probably the best pretzel I've ever had in my it's entire weird, life. It's weird. Like, I don't think I've had, like, an exquisite pretzel. Yeah, this is the one. This like, is the pretzel that I mean, you I, have. I've had, like, I've had pretzels, but it's like, I don't know. I, I A pretzel's always been, like, a pretzel to me. But so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I got to go to Pittsburgh and, like, Germany or something. They have good pretzels, probably. <laughs> as well your as pretzel expedition, as well as frankfurters and sauerkraut and uh, all those beer other stereotypical German foods. Sorry, <laughs> but the, I think it's true. I think I think the Germans would be fine with that. Yep. Anyway, so my number two, yeah, number two. Uh, one one you've already said, AT and T Park, bam, San Francisco, such a lovely city. I've been there once. Um, I have never been to a game there. Um, well, I should say I've been to San Francisco once. I've never actually been to AT&T Park, but it's a beautiful city. It's a really, I guess you should say hipster city. Yeah. Very quirky. You could say. But it just seems like an amazing place. The fans love their team. They love the Giants. They really do. At least every other year. And. (laughs) At least every other year. That's right. The stadium, you, you kind of talked about it for a little bit. As far as you know, the Coke bottle and the glove out there, McCovey's Cove. It's a beautiful ballpark, and it's it's also one that kind of does have those strange dimensions that makes it an interesting place. Um, as far as right field, it's it's a cavern out there. Lots of triples. Yeah, lots uh, of triples. So it it definitely be a ballpark that's that's high on my list, obviously, <laughs> at number two. Um, and then I I want to say. I feel like number one, we're gonna have the same answer. Yeah, I, I, I think it's probably gonna be the same. So, thing. should we just say it on three? Yeah. Okay. One, two, three. Fenway, Fenway Park. Park. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's stupid. You know what? What else is there to say? I'll let I mean, you uh, talk about it first. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah. Again, like, what is there to say? This is the, this is baseball history. You know, Ted Williams, uh, Carl Yastrzemski. The Red Sox Yankees, it's been there for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. Hundred years. You know what? Hundreds. I'm gonna say it. It's wow, been there, there for hundreds of years. No, but it's <laughs> yeah, I I mean it's Fenway Park. You got yeah. the Green Monster, Pesky Pole. I mean, it's just it'll be hard to probably go there one day. It's it's a pretty tough seat there, I think, to get a Fenway Park ticket, but Yeah, but I think 
if you go to Boston, which is another one of those cities that I just really want to go oh, to. I'd love to go to Boston. Oh, we got we to gotta make a trip up there at some point. We really do. Um, go see the old Bean Eaters in Fenway Park. But yeah. uh, like you said, the Green Monster, Pesky Pole, so much history in that so ballpark. So much history. And it's one that it, it's changed a little bit over the years, but it still has that old-time charm. Yeah. That it almost seems like it's been there for hundreds of years like you said <laughs> yeah because it almost has and, and i know it's part of the beauty of it and i know that you don't really like the red sox that much but i mean i guess like the red sox with their fan base they kind of have this uh, this arrogant charm to them <laughs> like if you're a red sox fan like it's so great for other red sox fans but if you're any other fan you're like wow okay can red sox fan just like shut up but fenway park is just their sanctuary and i think that's really cool and also, for any Yankee fans out there, I didn't put Yankee Stadium on my list because, all right, I, obviously I'm not a huge Yankee supporter. But uh, in my family, we have a saying about Yankee Stadium. We call it the sewage treatment plant because uh, that's where the Yankees play. And that's that's about all I'll say about that. That is classy. Hey, what can <laughs> I say? Now, I, the new Yankee Stadium, like, I, I mean, it would be fun to go, but yeah. I really don't have any interest of, like, making a trip. And I there. and I honestly hear bad things about yeah, it. Yeah, it, it I, which is which is really unfortunate. I would have loved to see the old one. I I'll really would have yeah. absolutely. Just um, again, history. Yeah, it seems like this new ballpark. They tried to make it so similar to the old one, but I think they really failed in keeping its its kind yeah. of old charm. And, and it, it feels like one of those mall parks, like I talked about earlier. And I know that there are some seats where you can't even see the field. Yeah, like there, there's some big problems with that. They might have to, you know, make some moves there. But yeah, that um, that was a good top five. I think I liked that. That was good. Yeah, I pretty mean, pretty simple. Something I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. I, I love stadiums. I've got that map on my wall yep, with do. the different stadiums that I can go to, and I pin the new ones. Yeah, we'll we'll make a trip one 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 of these uh, months or years. It'll it'll happen. We'll go to one of the ones on our list, or maybe the ones that aren't on our list. So um. On that note, since we just talked about that, uh, yeah, email us. What are some stadiums that you want to go to? Uh, what do you guys think about fan safety or any of the topics that we talked about today or in the previous weeks? Uh, email us at seamlessbaseball at gmail.com or tweet at us at seamlesspodcast. So, um, yeah, I think that's our show for today, unless you got anything else. Yeah, that's pretty much our show. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Absolutely. Also, you can subscribe on there. We, uh, we're putting out new shows every week, and uh, we also have a Facebook page, uh, the Seamless Baseball Podcast, keeping it simple. Uh, um, follow us on there. We're going to post updates as far as you know, new places you can find the podcast and also updates on when we're you know, getting ready to finish a show, getting ready to publish it, and also ask some questions on there that you guys can you know, answer. Let us know what you think. Yeah, we really like hearing from you guys, so we can talk about it on the show. Because uh, I, I don't know if like I don't know if you're listening to this. Obviously, a common theme in our shows has been um, talking about things that could start a conversation. So, I mean, we might go on Facebook and we might post like, "What do you think about this or this or this?" or like, "What do you think we should talk about in a certain episode?" So, I think a big part of baseball is it's a sport that you could talk about for hours on end. So many different things, whether it be like robot umps from I think a couple weeks ago. And then you talk about fan safety this week. A lot of different things that not necessarily are even 
on the field statistical analytical issues, but very interesting topics that people can connect with, whether they, you know, feel one way or the other. So yeah, get, get connected with us. We, uh, we're available, right? We're college kids. We're busy. Jeez, uh, this has been a busy semester so far, but we're, we're keeping it going. Schedule's been good and I don't think we got any uh, seamless baseball problems so far. I, I We really like doing this podcast. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's super fun. Thank you guys for joining us. This has been the Seamless Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Radford. And I'm Tim Briggs. See ya.